1: They got 10,000 subscribers in the first two days. Paid subscribers. Paid subscribers.
0: Wow. Paying $10 a month. So that is, you know, a million dollars. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to another episode of Creative Elements. Most weeks on this show, I'm speaking to an individual creator about their individual path. But sometimes I have the opportunity to talk to somebody who has a bird's eye view of what a lot of creators are doing at the same time. And so through their lens, through them, we're able to learn something that applies to us too. And that is the case for today's guest, Jason Sue Hoi, the co-founder and CEO of Supercast. Supercast is a podcast subscription platform that helps podcasters, networks, and publishers earn money directly from their listeners. The top 10 podcasters on Supercast earn more than $12 million directly from their listeners. Now, Jason has a background in computer science. That's what he graduated university with. But after graduation, he took a slightly different path than you might expect.
1: Coming out of university, I uh, joined a multinational uh, called Unisys and was asked, you know, like, do you want to go down the engineering route or do you want to go down kind of more the business route? And I, and I chose business because I had wider interests. And from very early on, you know, at, at, at school, I studied some accounting, you know, did some accounting papers. I did some, you know, kind of like genetics and, and
0: biotech papers. So I had like broader interests. Exploring those interests served Jason well. He started working at a company that gave him an opportunity to learn and an opportunity to lead. And that opportunity led to an even bigger opportunity.
1: And I joined a company called SitePoint to lead uh, an agency division as, as the GM uh, within that business. I, I took that role thinking, okay, well, I, I know how to lead an you know agency. I know how to do tech sales, but there is something else going on at this, this kind of like SitePoint business.
0: And surely something will come of it. What came after, as you'll soon hear, is the creation of 99designs, a global design marketplace. 99designs has had a lot of success. They have more than 1.6 million designers on the platform. And if you've heard of 99designs, you just may have heard of them on a podcast. They were early on in podcast advertising. And they advertised a lot on the Tim Ferriss Show in particular.
1: I myself, you know, became an advert tim ferris listener and i started adopting his workout regime and i started adopting you know the the low carb diet and you know before i knew it i had spent you know like tens and hundreds of hours you know kind of like listening to his content and and just you know felt that draw that influence that you know someone like that can have on your life when when you really tune into it to a podcast
0: That started Jason down the path of studying podcasting. So in this episode, we talk about Jason's path to Supercast. When a premium podcast subscription makes sense, what type of incentives to create to get someone to pay for a podcast and why none of this is possible without experimentation. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. As you listen, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at jklaus, or leave a comment on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to the channel if you have not already. That's enough of me. Let's talk with Jason.
1: The reason I joined SitePoint is because they had so many other interesting things going on, on the side. They had a publishing division. You know, they were producing all of these books. They had partnerships with O'Reilly, for example, and they were creating all of these books and tutorials around like how to build your first website with PHP and MySQL. So that was pretty interesting. But then they also had this forum with, uh, I think at the time, you know, like when I looked at the website of SitePoint.com, it had this forum and it said. 874,336 members, uh, subscribers. And I was like, what is that? And so I dived into it. And in this forum, there was just like this sprawling community of web developers and web designers who were just trying to figure out ways to be better at their craft. You know, they were in there, you know, on a daily basis, you know, talking to each other. And, and um, you know, just, just challenging each other and, and sharing information. You know, that forum was actually pivotal to a number of different businesses that would spin out of the wider SitePoint umbrella. The way 99designs came about is that within this kind of like really organic forum, designers in one particular forum thread just started competing against each other to prove who was the better designer.
0: Oh. So it was just like this really
1: fun way for them to level up their skills challenge each other um and and you know just play around with tools so so one designer would come up with a fictional brief you know like and post it and and say hey you know like how about we design brochures these days for a grocery company and and the other designers you know two or three would battle it out and and you know there would be various forms they called it photoshop tennis at one stage where you know basically you would pass around a file and see who could you know like make it better in different ways and along came one day this person who said look i'm a web designer I design websites, but one of my clients has asked me for a logo. I don't do logos. Here's the brief. I'll put up a hundred dollars and whoever can design me the best logo gets the money. Wow. And so these designers loved it. Like that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they were kind of like being offered money for something that they were doing for fun anyway. So this little forum thread just started to blow up as a way to get, you know, like lots of creative creative ideas uh for for things like logos in in a really affordable way and and you know in a way that you know just flipped the traditional design model on its head you know you didn't have to try to pick a designer based on their portfolio you know like it was just you know kind of like show me show me what you got and and so it started you know all this organic traffic started coming to this forum thread and so before we even knew the 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 term mvp minimum viable product you know like what we did at Sidepoint was was just to say well maybe there's a business here you know and and so the first step was simply to lock that forum thread. So we locked the forum thread and made it $10 to post a mm. job, a request into that thread and thought, well, this will probably kill it, but it didn't kill it. It just validated that all of a sudden this was a place to actually go get design, and it started, you know, like accelerating even more. So we doubled the price to $20 and more and more people came, you know, like uh, now businesses were coming wanting, you know, actual assets created. Uh, and so, you know, several more steps later, it was clear that this was a separate business opportunity. And so that forum thread became a tab on SitePoint. So it became like SitePoint design contests. And then the next iteration was to to split it out as, as its own separate brand. And that's when it became 99designs.com.
0: Wild. And at that point, did you jump in as the executive in charge of operating that business so
1: basically i've been at you know SitePoint for three months the founder had just decided okay this is a real thing i need to build a team around it he knows you know like kind of he's very self-aware of like his skill sets and what what gets him interested he knows that once something gets to about four or five people he's got to find someone else to to run the business because you know he starts (laughs) to change kind of like you know lose it with the managing projects and all that sort of stuff. It's just not not as bad. That's when I came on board basically as the GM, you know, COO of the business. It was a wild ride. You know, I was at 99designs for uh, over a decade, you know, multiple kind of like business lines and opportunities within that, expanded the team, you know, from just being bootstrapped for the first three years Predominantly based in Australia to, um, you know, having a big presence uh, in, in California and then also Berlin, raising, you know, um, venture funding with Excel partners three years in and then ultimately uh, leading to an acquisition uh, by Vistaprint just just a couple of years ago.
0: That's amazing. I would have never guessed that was the origin story for 99designs, that it evolved organically out of this forum as friendly competition that people were having with each other, just for fun and for competition. That's so interesting that you notice that, that, that it evolved. I mean, this is this is really talking to the power of community, which I'm sure we'll talk about here soon, but to notice that evolving and then say, there's something here, let's play around with this and see where it could lead. Just fascinating origin story. Right. Here's a question that I don't get to ask a lot of people, but I feel like you would have some unique insight into. I feel a lot of tension between the identity phrases of creative, as in like a creative, and creators. Today with Supercast, you work with a lot of creators. 99 designs probably felt a lot more like creatives in, you know, the the early 2010s. How do you think about those two words? Are those two different types of people to you? Because to me it kind of seems like they might be, but it's hard for me to differentiate.
1: You know, there, there is a way of looking at creatives that says, Hey, you know, like you, you come up with a brief or you give them, you know, kind of tell them a little bit about their business and they go wild with their creative ideas, you know, like and they throw you a whole lot of stuff that you in no way could have done on your own. And, you know, like you contribute to the process um, and you come out, you know, with a logo that just looks, you know, like incredible. You know, like that's one way of thinking about it, a creative. But even within that spectrum at 99 Designs, there's, you know, there, there's a whole range of, you know, kind of like creatives within that umbrella. So you get people that are more that artist type, you know, like that that, you know, like sure they will get some inspiration from like the business that you have, your business name, et cetera. But then, you know, they're more towards the Michelangelo end of the spectrum, right? Where they will come up with something incredible that might fit your needs or might not fit your (laughs) needs and you know you might be able to bend them or you might not be able to bend them you know like and and they're somewhat you know like set in, in in you know kind of like how much inspiration they'll let you you kind of like play at the other end of the spectrum there are the people that are just great at like graphic design execution you know like they they're not really, you know, like going to come up with that, you know, kind of artistic flair. But what they'll do is that, you know, they're they're really good at, you know, kind of pumping out iterations and executions and, um, you know, like more or less coming up with, you know, like what you're asking for visualized, you know, in in kind of the form that you need it. I think now that we think about, you know, kind of like broadening out from like graphic design and and all of the places that a creator can, you know, kind of exist on the internet, the term creator, I think, you know, like broadens significantly. And in in the context of podcasters, it's it's just, you know, a a lot looser of a term. Anybody that, you know, is basically creating content these days, we bring under the umbrella of creator. You know, writers, podcasters, etc., and and you know, uh, I guess to your point, is is an interviewer of an interview style podcast. You know, like <laughs> are they? Do you think about them as a creative in that same sense? I, I think of it these days uh, as you know, like somebody that is that is creating creating content, and so um, yeah, I think it's like less connected to kind of like the purest art form of uh, of, a, of a particular medium.
0: Yeah, it's weird. I, I but I, I think about it a lot just because my target audience are people who identify as creators and what i find are there are a lot of people who identify as creatives that don't quite identify as a creator they don't know what that term really means but it's kind of like a rectangle square situation in in my experience where creators identify also as creatives but not all creatives identify as creators but at the end of the day whatever somebody identifies with as a creative or creator they're making things Mm -hmm. They're solving problems with their creativity. They're making something, whether it's for one individual as a client or for an audience or for hopeful mass appeal. It's just interesting. The I think I think the term creator is still in its infancy a little bit and, and people are becoming more aware of it, more accustomed to it, warming up to it, maybe. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting struggle that I have with a show called Creative Elements serving creators.
1: And I think it also, you know, like has just opened up dramatically with how easy it is to create content, you know, on the on the internet these days, right? I mean, like anybody if it, if it can fire up TikTok or whatever and start becoming a creator, right? You know, just, just by virtue of the fact that they're putting content out into the world. So it makes sense that, you know, some of these terms are looser than we originally designed them for.
0: After a quick break, Jason and I talk about why he believes so deeply in podcasts and the opportunity for podcasters to earn money directly from their listeners. And later, we talk about the economics and incentives for creating a compelling premium podcast feed. So stick around and we'll be right back. If you know me, you know how much I believe in memberships. My membership is the core of my business and earning an income directly from your audience is one of the most sustainable ways for you to become a professional creator too. So I want to tell you about today's sponsor, Uscreen. Uscreen is a beautiful all-in-one platform that helps content creators earn a living from their videos by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. You can host private live streams for your members, build an on-demand catalog of premium content, and Uscreen gives you a community hub to interact with your members too. They can access your community from their mobile phone, so your membership is right there in their pocket. With a Uscreen account, you get video hosting and out-of-the-box website full payment and subscription management, and plenty of third-party integrations too. And Uscreen makes it easy to get set up. You get access to powerful website themes that are fully brandable with no coding skills required. Uscreen will even provide a dedicated success manager for you. Just about anyone that wants to make money from their content can do it with Uscreen. It's perfect for coaches, authors, influencers, and entrepreneurs in just about any niche. Right now, Uscreen is used by creators in fitness, education, news, kids entertainment, and more. That includes Yoga with Adrian and Creator Now, just to name a couple. Uscreen is the platform for building a video membership site that is great for generating a sustainable income for professional creators. If you create video content for your audience, I highly recommend checking it out. If you're interested in learning more about Uscreen, visit uscreen.link slash J. That's U-S-C-R-E-E-N dot link slash J and let them know that I sent you. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Last year, my wife and I started talking about her joining the business full-time. This is a huge decision, not just for the business, but for our marriage. My wife, being the very smart and thoughtful woman that she is, suggested that we proactively sign up for therapy as a couple to help us communicate better before we started working together. It really helped us have better language to describe how we're feeling and listen to one another, which generally lowers the intensity of any conversation. Now, I had never been in therapy before, but here's something that I didn't expect. It didn't just help our dialogue, but it helped my inner monologue too. The way I understand my own experience has changed based on the tools that I got from therapy. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's convenient, it fits your schedule, and you can be in the comfort of your own home. Just fill out a short questionnaire and you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. They even make it easy to switch therapists if it doesn't feel like a fit. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash creator today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash creator. Welcome back to my conversation with Jason Sue hoy Jason has been building Supercast for the last three years, and to dedicate three years of your life to podcasts means that you probably have a deep love of the medium. So I asked Jason where his appreciation for podcasts came from.
1: About halfway through the 99designs journey, actually probably even earlier, uh, this guy by the name of Tim Ferris. He came into to contact with Ninety Nine Designs, and and he expressed a frustration that the designers at his publishing company that were working on his second book just you know weren't heading out of the park with the the, the cover design concepts that they were sending him to him, and so he wanted to use the platform Ninety Nine Designs to come up with some some better designs and you know really throw it out to the, the creative community, and so we worked with Tim to do that, and you know that's how the the cover design for the Four Hour Body actually uh, came about, but then you know sometime after that him uh, decided to launch a podcast when he did, you know, like shortly after he said, he turned around to, to us and having worked with us before uh, and knowing that, you know, like we, you know, our core customer base was kind of, you know, entrepreneurs and people that were starting things. Uh, he asked us whether we would come on board as the first sponsor. And so we we leapt at the chance and that show, you know, has become one of the, has, has been, you know, since we started one of the most wonderful acquisition channels for, uh, new uh, people launching, you know, uh, design projects on Ninety Nine Designs for for a number of different reasons. You know, like I mean, Tim is Tim. You know, like it, <laughs> I think it, basically anything that you know he recommends, uh, you know, his audience. I think he uh,
0: refers to it as the hug of death. Actually, right,
1: right, right, right. And and you know, the second thing is you know, but the the fact that he had used the service. Meant that his read, you know, like his endorsement for 99 Designs was just like so authentic. He would talk about, you know, basically all the cover designs, you know, like flying in and it feeling like, you know, kind of Christmas every time, you know, and just so much creativity. And so, you know, number one, it generated great business for us, you know, like so, so that was, you know, like where I experienced you know like just the the intimate connection that a host can have you know with their listener base in terms of like providing those those recommendations and so that was my first experience with you know podcasting as a medium and then towards the end of my time at 99designs I got I got talking to Andrew Wilkinson who heads a, a group called Tiny up in Canada but basically a family of you know like internet companies some of which you know kind of like Started in the design world, so MetaLab, for example, prolific design agency, Dribble, you know, huge design network, you know, just a whole bunch of other, you know, wonderful companies as well. And he had started working with Sam Harris and Sam Harris had built up a big Patreon, but then, you know, like just basically decided, you know, that that was too clunky, you know, an experience for most of his subscriber base. You know, they were going from listening to his podcast, you know, loving you know, his content, wanting more bonus content uh, and being willing to pay, but then kind of like stuck in this experience where they were signing up for a Patreon account. And then, you know, after having done so, you know, looking at a wall that resembled Facebook as opposed to yeah. just wanting to listen to more content, you know, and, and being in, in, you know, the, the podcast world. And so Sam wanted us to build, you know, basically the founding team of Supercast to build his own bespoke solution, and we did so, and and launched it to you know enormous success, and and in doing so, he got a front seat to you know just how, you know, kind of how much uh, money a podcast membership can generate, a podcast subscription can generate, and, and it resembles, you know, the metrics resemble a great software business, and that's what kind of like blew our minds, and we thought, wow is this just Sam's audience, you know, like, or is this something that, you know, is, is more widely applicable? And so uh, we worked with a couple of other podcasters, uh, Peter Atia in the health and uh, longevity space and, and Rhonda Patrick also, and she talks a lot about saunas and basically deconstructing and, and keeping up to date with like the latest in, in, in science and in health research to bring that, you know to, to 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 into layman's terms, and you know how we can live healthier lives, and their audiences both, you know, like uh, blew up as well in terms of like their memberships, and w- just transformed their ability to do more research and create, you know, like more incredible content uh, for their their communities.
0: When you say that Sam's podcast on Supercast, the premium version, launched a tremendous success, can you quantify tremendous success a little bit to give people a taste of what is possible?
1: Sam was the precursor to Supercast, so that was. Uh, him paying us on an agency basis to build out a subscription solution, which you know, like Sam, you know, owns and, and runs himself. But you know, since Sam, you know, uh, you know, a number of customers have launched on Supercast, and so the example that I will give because. I know they're happy to meet with me to, you know, share these numbers, is Breaking Points. And so Breaking Points was, or the precursor to Breaking Points was a show called Rising on the Hill, which is a, you know, DC media outlet. Crystal and Saga are the co-hosts of Breaking, uh, of the Hill, uh, of, of the Rising, sorry. And they decided, you know, that they would go independent from the Hill and start their own uh, show called Breaking Points, which launched in June of last year. So nearly a year. They were going to be basically starting from zero. You know, it would be a brand new YouTube channel, a brand new podcast. They'd never done a podcast before, but they had, you know, kind of like um, built, you know, kind of like Instagrams and, and YouTubes and they would power that all with a Supercast subscription. So you might find them on YouTube. You might find them on podcast, but either way to get, you know, kind of early access um, to the show, you would sign up on supercast and you could consume that either in like video or audio form. And so when I say, you know, like they launched a tremendous success, they got 10,000 subscribers in the first two days. Paid subscribers. Paid subscribers. Wow. Paying $10 a month. So that is, you know, a million dollars, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, in terms of like annual revenue, like straight off the bat, which blew their mind, like they, they did not anticipate that whatsoever. You know, like when, when we had kind of like kicked around ideas and projections and estimates and things like that, you know, we'd kind of like modeled it out and, and, and thought, okay, well, we might get that, you know, like at the end of the first year. Honestly, like it, it was just, you know, wild seeing all that number of subscriptions flowing in, you know, like within the first two days. Uh, 40% of those paid annually. So they paid $100 up front as opposed to the $10 monthly. And then they actually included a lifetime membership option as well for $1,500. Like Hmm. $1,500 is a one-off payment. Mm -hmm. And I think at this point, over 700 people have paid that for that lifetime membership.
0: That's crazy. So 700 people expect that they would be annual members for For more than 15 years.
1: Yeah, Exactly.
0: Wow, that's a lot of trust in the creator. Uh, we're so early in this creator economy. There aren't that many people that have been doing any type of creator business for 15 years. <laughs> right. So so I actually
1: think it's um, that particular part of it. I think it's less about the you know kind of like sizing up. Am I going to? Sure. Am I going to be yeah. a member for twenty years? You know, like and 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 it's, you know, it's like not the, the pure
0: direct. like financial side of it. It's it's them saying like I get so much value out of this that I want to support you. Right. In this way.
1: It's exactly. It's mission. It's so there and and you know like to explain a little bit about you know kind of like why that took off the way they did. They've really zeroed in on you know, who their audience is. The, the the makeup of, you know, Crystal and Saga is is, is is that from a political point of view, Saga is on the right. Crystal's on the left. In any given show, so they, they publish three times a week in the mornings and it's news and it's politics and it looks a lot like a cable news show. And, you know, they very... They they very uh, specifically went after that so that, you know, you or I, for example, if we were sending a clip to our parents and saying, hey, yeah. look at this, I told you inflation was going to be going up, you know, like our parents wouldn't dismiss it because it looks like a YouTube show. It looks super professional. You know, they, Saga put a lot of money into designing his desk, his first uh, desk there. And, and. Because because they bring, you know, kind of that diversity of viewpoint, people really value the debate, which is often missing in mainstream media. And of course, you know, if you look at charts of trust in mainstream media, you know, it's fallen to all time lows, you know, like from, from a, you know, kind of widespread population point of view. And so that's what Crystal and Saga really zeroed in on. And they said, you know, like, basically, we want our boss to be our audience. You know, we don't want to be at the whim of, you know, corporate sponsors and all that sort of stuff. We don't want to be biased and we want to bring you, you know, like um, that, that unbiased perspective. And so they really kind of like brought the listeners in to supporting that mission. And, and that is what I think has really resonated with people.
0: I'm looking at some of the things they're promising here. So they have ad-free uncut. So it's like the ad-free version of the show, it sounds like. And they have exclusive reactions to each other's monologues right weekly access to a premium only ask me anything episode twice monthly exclusive long form discussions that's a lot of things is that typical for supercast users that are doing well to be offering five different perks to their premium members or do you see people offering fewer things because i think a lot of the people who consider this one of the big concerns they have is can i sustain whatever it is that i need to promise to get people to follow through on purchasing a membership
1: yeah it's it's probably um, you know, the biggest concern of creators, creatives, creators. And it's very fair concern. And, um, you know, what we try to do, you know, being the kind of like the platform that supports creators is just to work out, you know, like how we can guide them to not overcommit. Like the last thing we want them to do is like to have to double their, you know, creative workload. So that's why we're built out, you know, like to give you a you know, kind of like direct answer. We look for opportunities, again, with that curiosity to build certain things to make it easier. So the AMAs, for example, that is powered by a specific function on Supercast, we have an AMA uh, portal, uh, basically a page (laughs) where as soon as someone becomes a member, they can submit questions. It'll, you know, kind of auto suggest questions that are already been asked. They can upvote other people's questions instead. And then as a creator, you know, when you come to do those AMA episodes once a week, once every two weeks, you just kind of like pick out three or four that you want to answer record one episode, and then you can timestamp where the answers appear so that, um, you know, there's there's basically a workflow, you know, and and, mm. and it's, not, it's not too much in,
0: logistically for you to manage. So for folks who are using this Q&A feature, are they making that episode only available to listen to for paid subscribers? Or is it sometimes used as, hey, paid subscribers can ask the questions. We release that episode for anybody to listen to.
1: There is a trick, you know, basically to 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 fueling the growth of your community, where you use some of your premium content as teasers on your public feed, and so people like Sam Harris, people like Peter Attia, they do this extraordinarily well. And so what you do is you record an AMA episode. Let's call, you know, say say you know AMA episode number thirty, and you choose, of course, um, you know which five questions you want to answer, and say you spend an hour answering those questions. What you would do is you would put that on the private feed on Supercast so that, you know, all of the members uh, get that immediately. And, and also all of the people that upvoted or um, uh, asked a question would get email notified saying, hey, your question's been answered. But then you can also take the first, say, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever you choose, and put a snippet of that onto your public feed to give people a taste of, mm. you know, like what they were beginning if they were a premium member. Uh, and then, you know, kind of like cutting, you know, obviously, uh, you know, when, when the teaser finishes with a call to subscribe to the premium feed to be able to ask your own questions or to be able to, you know, to continue listening. I think that's a really, really important point because it also applies to a lot of, you know, what you just listed out on the breaking points page. Some of those five things that you mentioned are actually not that difficult. You know, they're, they're not, you know, a ton of extra work and the important thing is that they also provide a teaser of a, a, an opportunity to subscribe organically that doesn't feel like an ad. And so to be more specific about that, the second point was the reaction to each other's monologues. And again, this this is something that Crystal and, and Saga, you know, that that was their idea, you know, like they really paid attention to what their audience values about the, the show. And the fact that there's two hosts, what happens is each of them in every episode presents a monologue. So Saga, for example, might do a five-minute segment on GameStop. You know, everyone's wondering what's going on with GameStop and and he will do a five-minute monologue deconstructing all of that. And then after the monologue, he'll turn to Crystal and say, okay, so what do you think, Crystal? And so that's where you get, you know, kind of the debate on the show, right? Mm-hmm. And at that mm-hmm. point on the public feed is when it, it cuts off and it says – But we need your help.
0: So if you can help us out by becoming a premium member today at BreakingPoints.com, we're trying to change America for the better and the entire world. So what are you waiting for, guys? Go to BreakingPoints.com and sign up and help us build a new mainstream.
1: You know, yes, you are missing out on a bit that, you know, like you would have loved. um, But you know, you have to have that, that little bit of tension there. You know, you have to have that healthy tension of, oh, this is something, you know, like I really wanted to hear. As well as, you know, like the way to get it so that so that in every single episode, you remind people, you know, like why they should sign up.
0: When we come back, Jason and I talk about the economics and incentives for offering a paid podcast subscription and when you should start considering offering one for your listeners. So stick around and we'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Podcast Movement. For the past decade, Podcast Movement has organized the world's largest gathering of podcasters, featuring thousands of attendees, hundreds of breakout sessions, panels, and workshops, plus the largest trade show in podcasting. Podcast Movement helps podcasters of all experience levels create, grow, and profit from their show. It's suitable for beginners, but you'll also have the opportunity to meet some of the biggest names in the industry. I've been to several Podcast Movement events, and not only is the programming incredible, but the culture and vibe are incredible too. It attracts thoughtful, empathetic, and collaborative people, which makes sense when you think about the medium of podcasting. Podcast Movement hosts two events per year. The first just wrapped up, but their flagship conference is happening August 19th through the 22nd in Washington, D.C. Attendees have the freedom to choose their own adventure across several different stages throughout the four-day event, not to mention dozens of amazing networking events, parties, and the expo hall floor. to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy
1: price price
0: line. hey welcome back over the last couple of years i've thought about offering a premium subscription for listeners of this show but my hang up has been what am i providing those premium subscribers every week now the obvious answer is an ad free feed so i asked jason if offering an ad free feed is enough to attract paid subscribers so, you know, I think about these things in the context of
1: conversion rate, you know, and ultimately that means, you know, like, you know, if you have 10,000 listeners per episode, how many of those, you know, can you get over to being paid subscribers? And so, the, you know, like just to, to, to really, uh, I guess, explain the model... We don't really have anybody that just slams the paywall down hard and says, okay, this is not going to be a free podcast anymore. like, you need to pay, Mm -hmm. you know, to listen to anything. And we certainly wouldn't, wouldn't recommend that either because you know, the free podcast one, you know, like this is, this is what you built to date, you know, like, and this is what listeners are coming for. And then secondly, it's also the top of your funnel. It's how you continue to grow both your free and your paid audience in future. So it'd be short-sighted, you know, to, to slam the paywall down. But rather, you know, like we think about this idea of, you know, what if 5% of your audience were to pay you $10 a month? What if 5% of your audience would pay you $10 a month? And, and that gets out of a few things, you know, like it's, it's a monthly subscription, but you know, like, it's it's really for the thousand true fans, you know, to quote Kevin Kelly's, you know, model. And and it means that 95% of your audience can still just enjoy your content for free. Maybe they're still trying it out. Maybe they just discovered it today. Or maybe, you know, they just can't afford it and, and you know, like, are okay, you know, like listening to the free content. But for the people that do love you and want to support you or want to get that extra bonus stuff. They have the ability to upgrade themselves, you know, into that higher paying thing where you're earning a much, much better return than even, you know, kind of like advertising CPM rates.
0: Is five percent the the bar that you give people to to shoot for or expect when they put in place a premium feed? So
1: we generally quote between two and seven percent. The way I catch it is and, and going back to your original question, if you do the easy lift stuff like ad free. Like early access, for example, maybe, you know, restricting access to your back catalog. I would anticipate, you know, like if you just have a one or a couple of those things, you would be, you know, maybe even 1%, you know, 1% conversion rate, 1% to 2%. So it'd be at the bottom end of that spectrum. But as you start to overlay bonus episodes, AMAs, maybe access to a private Slack community, Circle community, Uh, slack group you know paid newsletters so so within supercast we've also built in the functionality to send out email newsletters Mm. you know to your subscriber group as well as you start to like overlay some of these other additional things that's when you can push up into the the higher like kind of five seven percent range we've looked at our top 20 on supercast our top 20 biggest uh, audiences subscriptions and those creators are averaging right on 5%. So that's where I get the number from. Obviously, you know, they've been at it a while. Um, you know, anybody launching today, you know, is not going to achieve that in the first month. But it gives you a sense of like what's possible. And, and moreover, the top 10 creators on Supercast are grossing over $12 million in aggregate per year through subscriptions alone. So So when you get it right, you know, like th- this is, a, a you know, obviously, you know, like a very, very lucrative r- revenue generator for us, for, for a podcast business.
0: Talk to me about the teams of some of the creators you support. I would imagine, you know, those top 10 creators probably already had a team in place before they were doing a premium feed. And so they might even have some like capacity to help with the operations of this type of thing. What proportion of your users are independent podcasters that are able to support this, themselves or maybe like a part-time assistant? Do you have any data on that?
1: I mean, anecdotally, you know, because I know, you know, some of them pretty well, you know, certainly they've pushed beyond, you know, them being an individual person in most cases. I mean, it's still an independent person in most cases doing the podcast itself, you know, like doing the interviews and so on. But in a lot of cases, you know, like they have someone else, you know, producing, you know, doing all the sound stuff, you know, producing the episodes uh, and they might have someone else, you know, just, you know, basically being a, a community person, depending on, you know, how big uh, the the paying membership is. So, you know, I would say they are smallish teams still, you know, it would still be within the realms of, you know, like two to four people. And then, you know, the, the, the rest of the organization really depends on, um, you know, like what kind of business they are around that. So Rhonda Patrick or Peter, for example, you know, they might that they might have, you know, people that are doing research or, you know, like digesting scientific articles to like, you know, kind of come up with the, the content that ultimately uh, gets surfaced on the podcast and other, other mediums as well.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm thinking about this from the standpoint of a lot of my listeners tend to be uh, earlier in their creator journey. And if they are podcasters, they, they ask me about ads a lot and hmm. how big they need to be for ads and i explain well it depends on what you're talking about like if you're doing a cpm model which is cost per mila which is cost per thousand impressions the the bar is a lot higher you can still do direct sales and do baked in ads and make good money below that bar and i think that having a membership is attractive to that audience as well as somebody who's more advanced and realizes there's there's a stream of revenue here i could turn on And so for the folks who are earlier stage who feel like they they aren't quite big enough to play the cpm game but they've been podcasting for a while i'm trying to identify when a membership program and feed like this might make sense is it is there still a download threshold is it about the length of time you've been podcasting and build up trust with those listeners what do you think for that that type of creator
1: get this question all the time and and generally the way that I think about it is less about overall size so you know there's no arbitrary cutoffs which is you know kind of a, a good thing and and you know I first want to say I just want to dispel this this idea that you know like it has to be one or the other in terms of advertising or subscription and actually the way you know we talked about ad free, hopefully it's obvious, you know, like that the presence of ads creates the opportunity, you know, to create an ad-free premium feed or that as a benefit. So the two can actually work wonderfully well together. And then you have, you know, kind of a a great business that, you know, has two, you know, great uh, revenue streams. Um, and a lot of our top 10, you know, like have, have the two, which, you know, just, just stands them in really good stead. But as it relates to, um, you know, like size specifically for the podcast. I, I like to think of it, you know, we talked about that idea of like a minimum viable product, you know, like, uh, oh, sorry. or uh, um, uh, in, in startup world, there's another concept called product market fit, which is, you know, how do you know when your startup, you know, has kind of like got something that's ready to scale, you know, like you've discovered something that people actually like, that people actually will pay for. And, you know, like you can start to hire a bigger team around because it's, you know, all the signs are there that it's going to take off. Uh, and so I think similarly, there's this, I like to think about this idea of like podcast market fit. You know, there, there are markets out there and you're creating a podcast. How do you know that you, you've you captured people's attention and that, you know, like they're tuning in on a repeat basis and it's going to grow over time. So, you know, the, the way I kind of think about it, you know, like if you're if you're producing episode after episode after episode and the numbers are kind of, they're not growing, you know, like maybe you're getting like 80 downloads an episode and it just, it seems like, you know, tried a bunch of things and it just doesn't get past 80. Then I think you're too, way too early to start thinking about monetization of any form, you know, like that's, I think that's just a distraction from what you should be really focused on, which is, which is getting that podcast market fit. Mm. You know, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. change it up, change it up, you know, like change up the distribution, change up, you know, the content format. You want to find something that hits with your audience. And, and when you know, Uh, you will know, you know, like when it, when it, when it starts to grow and it, you know, like you, you continue to put out episodes and, you know, like you're, you're pleasantly surprised every time you go back and check into, you know, like your analytics dashboard that, you know, like you're getting, you know, more downloads and it feels like you're onto something, you know, like at that point, you know, like, I think that's when you can start to think about, okay, well, how could I experiment with giving people a premium experience that they can opt in for, and also you'll know it because people will be asking you, people will emailing you, you know, be asking for other things. They'll be asking, you know, like why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? And those are good signs that you have, you know, good retention and and, and good engagement. And that is, you know, basically the underpinnings I think of of the the true fan model. You know, it's like you you want to find that you know the core 1 hundred thousand people, you know, like that, you know, just yeah. want to see you succeed, and and you know that they, they've made you a part, you know, of their. They're kind of like regular habits. And, you know, beyond that, it's really, you know, like at what point do the numbers become meaningful to you? So let's say you had, you know, a thousand downloads per episode uh, or or let's call it 10,000, you know, for for easy math, 10,000 downloads per episode. You know, like if you had uh, 5%, um, then that's, you know, 500 premium members, you know, like paying $10 a month, that's, you know, $5,000 a month, $60,000 a year. You know, does sixty thousand dollars a year for that creative effort where you've got ten thousand downloads reps, is that is that meaningful to you as an incremental revenue stream that also in turn, you know, draws you closer to your community. Obviously you can play those play those numbers up and down. You know, if it was only five dollars a month you're charging, that's thirty thousand dollars a year. But I think most creators would agree. That, you know, like just, it gives you optionality. You know, we just talked about building out a team, you know, like 30,000, 60,000, they can get you a lot of services, you know, like that all of a sudden you don't have to be doing and, and means that you can free up some time to focus on growth or, you know, like, more content, or you know, whatever it is. Um, so the return piece, once you once you've got the fit, you know, and you feel like the engagement's there, the return piece, and and whether it's worth it, and finding, you know, kind of like the secret, you know, like the the, the secret formula or the right formula for you in terms of like effort invested to returns is it, just you know a matter of like basically testing your way into it, and then and then seeing you know how you build that over time.
0: We, we mentioned these kind of in passing, but I want to I want to explicitly list out some of the most popular value propositions that you're seeing with your creators on the platform. We had ad free feeds. We had listener Q&A functionality. Mm-hmm. We had bonus episodes. What else did you mention there?
1: I'll divide this into two camps. So I'll start with like the easy lift stuff. So kind of like repackaging existing content. You can kind of like think of it that way. So ad free is one of them. You just take out the ads, you know, pretty easy early access. So again, it just means that you might be giving episodes. So Shane Parrish of the knowledge project, for example, you know, he's, he's done this a few times. He did an interview with Bill Ackman, you know, and he said, hey, just did an incredible interview with Bill. Premium members, you know, like get this two weeks early. Similarly, you know, like binge access, you know, if you're doing a series, if you've got a series of content, being able to binge mm. that all as opposed to like waiting, you know, every single week for a new episode to drop, you know, like that's a, it's a, it's a really kind that's of a like cool neat idea. idea. That again, just makes use of windowing, right? It's just time. Extended interviews. So, you know, think about this interview that we're doing right now. Imagine if like you save, you know, like, three or four questions for, you know, kind of like a behind the scenes or, you know, the the, the extended portion of our interview. Or similarly, you know, like in post, and post-production, you were to just chop out one segment uh, of our conversation and then say, hey, if you want to hear you know, Jason talked about, you know, what uh, aspects of a premium subscription, you know, like convert the best, then, you know, sign up to a premium member. And so you chop that five minutes out and it gives you again, that organic opportunity to say, you know, like this is what you're missing out on, you know, like, and so, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of um, tricks there, back catalog access. Um, So a lot of people, if you've done, you know, hundreds of episodes, it often gets to a point where a public feed becomes a little bit too unwieldy anyway, to have, you know, like all of those episodes. So you can start to remove, um, so, you know, there's quite a few podcasters that after six months, they take episodes off the back and put it Mm -hmm. into their premium uh, collection. Um, So that's kind of repackaging. And then on the new content side, you know, the bonus content side, yeah, you could have interviews with VIP guests that, you know, you only get as a premium subscriber. You could have AMAs where you're, you know, Mm -hmm. answering questions. You could have newsletter content, for example, where you get access to written form stuff, um, as well as, uh, you know, the, the podcast and then access to a community, um, is, is another popular one. So that's where you're kind of like changing the dynamic a little bit from being, Hey, I'm paying for just access to you as the host to I'm paying to access to other people that, you know, also share my passion. So there's a, there's a, um, A customer we have a podcast by the name of Reality Cray Cray. You know that springs out as an example here. (laughs) They have this. They they all they do is cover the show. 90 Day Fiance, the reality show. You know, it's kind of like a post-episode, you know, kind of uh, commentary show. They don't even use their real names. They they use pseudonyms, you know, like because, because, because of it. The, Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> nature of the content. He works in tech or he did work in tech. You know, Kyle, as a pseudonym goes, we've interviewed on him on our podcast, Supercasters, and he tells a story about, you know, how he, he works in tech. He's always had, you know, like great jobs, you know, like that he's really, really enjoyed, really, really, really fulfilled. But then he's podcasting under the pseudonym with this community mm-hmm. and creating a Facebook group where he's got over 5,000 people, probably, you know, six or seven now, where people just love the show and they, and they, and they you know, now, you know, they're just talking about their hobbies, sharing pictures of their children, you know, like just, just you know, really expanding beyond the premise of, you know, the, the show itself. So much so that he's, that he's quit his career in tech and gone all when. in you know, like on, uh, being a podcaster for this show, it's, you know, just, just an incredible story. You know, that's, that's another one where you're creating, you know, like kind of brand new content, but it doesn't necessarily need to be you, you know, like leading everything from the front.
0: How do I think about pricing this thing? Not even just the price, but does it need to be monthly? Can it be annual only? How would you recommend people start thinking about that?
1: So I'm going to leverage that framework that I painted out before in terms of like the easy stuff and then kind of like the bonus stuff. So in the same way that, you know, I think about like conversion rates being that 2 to 7% range, if you're doing the easier stuff, ad free, so on, then I wouldn't go above $5. You know, I keep it $5 and, you know, kind of, um, see how that resonates with your audience. As you layer on the bonus content, that's where you push up into the ten dollar, fifteen dollar a month range. You know, and 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 we have a lot of our podcasters. You know, like charging. You know, at that ex, you know kind of the premium end of the spectrum. Um, so I would say in most cases, podcasters undersell themselves you know like i you know i see on patreon for example you know people that are kind of like doing $1 tiers $2 tiers i honestly don't like to see that because that that sets too low a floor and and really i feel like most creators you know like are just are just not valuing their time and their content uh highly enough you know when they when they do that uh, which then has a flow on effect you know like to how listeners perceive you know the value of your content so that's how i think about the 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 price uh, and then you know, like going back to you know what we were talking about before, really, both price and conversion rate. Again, it's not. I wouldn't think about it so much like in terms of like how long you've been doing it or how big your audience is, because I, you know, we have some audiences that are call it the five thousand dollar, five thousand downloads per episode. You know, so not huge pods, but they are converting at like fifty percent. I'm I'm not kidding you. Like they're converting it fifty percent on a. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a $10 price point. Wow. So, so, uh, and I'm not going to say that's everyone. I'm not going to say that that's typical, but I'm going to say that it's possible. You know, like if, if you have the right fit, if you get your kind of like uh, the the strategy down, and you know, just and and you know, a, a message and a good read that articulates the value of what you're doing, and um, you know how you know l- listeners can kind of like uh, get access to to the premium content, then yeah, the the, the numbers can work in your favor.
0: Do you have any data to suggest that it makes sense to offer monthly? And I ask that because in, in the community world, I'm seeing more and more of a trend to moving away from monthly recurring and just doing biannual or annual pricing. And I wonder what your reaction to that is in a premium podcast feed world
1: where an annual plan is offered and often it's offered with, you know, kind of a couple of months free. So, you know, it's like $10 per month or $100 a year, let's say, which, you know, essentially saves you 20 bucks on the annual. We would see about 40% uptake on the annual. 40 to 50% uptake, which, which seems pretty high. It's it's high. It's it's a it's higher than I was expecting. Uh, or that I would have you know expected prior to rolling any of those out. I think for a podcast, it's high because people have already had a taste of what your content is you know like in most cases they've been listening for a while now to your free podcast and so they they're bought in on your mission they're bought in on who you are they know that they love your content, they know that they're gonna love all of the bonuses and therefore when, when they're presented with the option, you know, are you gonna be listening to this for a year? Yeah, you know, like I've been listening to two years already, you know? So um, so at that point, you know, it's a fairly easy decision for them to say, yeah, okay, I'll save a bit. No, you know, I wanna support Jay. So I think we see a higher proportion of the, the annual, but most people that we have would still offer the option of a, a monthly.
0: I think this is a really good look at how and when podcasters might want to offer a premium subscription to their subscribers. If you want to learn more about Supercast and how you can do just that, go to supercast.com. Thanks to Jason for being on the show. Thank you to Connor Convoy for editing this episode and Nathan Todd Hunter for mixing the audio. Thank you to Brian Seal for creating our music and Emily Klaus for making the podcast artwork love to hear what you think about this episode you can tweet at me at Jay klaus let me know leave a comment here on youtube and be sure to subscribe if you haven't already thanks for listening and i'll talk to you next week
1: Sonic Universe.